This is the Football Pink Podcast in the comfort of our own home tonight. Um, we were going to look at going out and doing a bit of a on a pub somewhere, but due to coronavirus and I've fallen sick along with my mother, so we have been tested today and been, as you can tell by my voice, it's been a bit all over the shop and we are... Uh, we are officially in lockdown. We are in lockdown until we get our results back, which is a bit rubbish, but... Um, yeah, well, we can still do it from here, luckily. Yeah, luckily we can, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll be coming from a pub uh, very shortly for the next one. Uh, but we are still here. We are still uh, broadcasting Wednesday nights. If you hear a few uh, chokes happening in the background, then you know what it is, and we apologise terribly for uh, our conditions, because uh, I do think I'm getting it as well now. That's it, let's out. I'll meet me mate the best again, but um, we'll go with it, so... This podcast is basically going to be um, part one of our season review, um, so we're going to go over some basic LFC news, um, as we always do, and then we're going to do part one of our season review, which is August through to October, if I'm right, Simo? Yep. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, through to, and that gives us um, a couple more to do over the next few weeks, um, to do part two and part three, basically talking a bit more in depth, and we're not really rushing it, and doing an, an average hour and a half long podcast Um yeah, but we'll get stuck in, like I say, with oh, basic news. Can I just interrupt and just remind everybody concerned that we are currently champions of the whole fucking world, you know? And if uh, if Mars wants to come and take us on, well, let's let's have a Champions uh, Champions League of the Galaxy because we'll still win. Well, that's it. Well, talk, you know, talking about that, people are fuming that we, you know, we haven't signed Mbappe and Sancho yet. Um, so there's a bit, a bit of fume, even though considering we are champions of everything. So we'll go on to transfer talk straight away. Um, it's looking less like last, this Thiago deal is going to get done it was nice and big last week and it just still hasn't flourished at it I know uh, I must admit I thought this one was going to be done uh, the the echoes currently reporting that they don't think it's going to happen and generally you know and by now I mean I, I, I was on the podcast last week and I basically said uh, I think once the, the kit deal's done we'd start seeing some uh, predetermined signings happening. I half expect the Thiago deal to be announced really, really soon. So, looks like uh, uh, I was wrong again. Yeah, something you can get used to after living with you for 23 years. But, you know, um, yeah, I think it comes with um, very interesting with the old Genie situation. I think if Genie goes, we sign Thiago. But with Thiago st- staying put, it looks like we might keep older Genie maybe. Yeah, I mean, we said we wanted to keep hold of Genie anyway. But well, if you had the opportunity now to get rid of Genie, bring Thiago in, or vice versa, what would you do? See, I still find that a tough one. Because <laughs> spending £30 million on Thiago versus spending bugger all and keeping hold of Genie, I'd probably keep hold of Genie, to be honest. It's like, why do you break up a champion? I'd, I'd keep hold of Genie, I think. For me, it's more about freshening up the squad, I think. Um, although it's not about breaking up a Champions winning squad, it's also sometimes you need new faces. And we could put that in with kids last year. But I reckon, say, obviously, we didn't really bring anyone in last year, apart from the kids. So I reckon you've got one more year um, to really um, keep the squad together before you probably need to start freshening it up. I know we brought Minamino in as well, but we need to start freshening it up. And I reckon you've got one more year where we can keep Genie. And then we maybe look to bring some fresh faces in. Yeah, and I still wouldn't rule out that somebody. Could, yeah, I mean we've we've signed a couple of uh, uh, yeah, academy kids kind of thing. That's about it. 
I still think there's business to be done. I just don't know where it's coming from at this well, stage. You know, like to James Pierce reporting, they'll be shocked if we do no business, um, which I, I'm sure as well, but I just don't think we're going to get that big signing. You know, you see City going, spending money on this 20, um, 20 mil on this um, young lad, oh, lad from Valencia winger. Um, but I don't see us doing anything really that because that you know you know you think of that twenty thirty thirty mil is a big amount of money in this current in the current the market climate. absolutely um, versus San and Genie. Well, the fact that they sold Sane for only twenty five shows how you know the cl- the you know the climate and the top values have dropped, and um, so I think anything over twenty mil is um, what we classify as big money at the minute. Um, so I don't think we'd see any you what we'd call big money in this transfer market. I agree. Um, but there's definitely business to be done. I agree. I, I think there's definitely business to be done. But, I, yeah, the only big one for me would have been Thiago. Uh, but, again, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head there. That's the question between those two. So, you only sign people who are better than you currently have. And I, whilst Thiago, I think, is a good player, uh, Genie's still young. And still got a lot of football and has scored some great goals. And one really important thing is, has been fit the whole season. And, you know, I think Thiago has some injury problems historically. Well, he's getting old as well, isn't he, Thiago? So. Yeah, and, and one of the key things, and maybe this has come into the Thiago question, uh, that the that Klopp looks for players who can sustain the rigours of playing the kind of football he wants to play two two games a week yeah, plus training no, sessions. He wouldn't go for Thiago if he didn't feel that. And he hasn't. Do you know what I mean? There's been talk and then when they do the analysis, uh, it's a case of maybe, you know, unless he's coming on a cheap a cheap deal like Shakiri or something as, a, as an add-on, it's it's a case of, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. He's looking for, for players... That can play, you know, two games a week going forwards, and you know it's part of the the clock philosophy is you've got to be able to do triple sessions, you've got to be able to meet the, the training standards, you've got to be full on, you know, full metal football, and if you can't stand that for the for the time frame, then you're not in. Well, I think we have more, you know, there's, like, there's been a lot on Tiago, but I think we have more places to strengthen. I think as long as we get no, rid of no midfielders. Um, I don't think we need to add anything to that midfield um, because you know you still got Chamberlain, Minamino. Um, obviously, Curtis Jones come into that. Any obviously can play in the front three as well. Um, it's more looking at um, we could look at cover for left back and then another striker to really put pressure on the front three, and then obviously recover for Andy Robert or left back with Nico Williams providing cover for Trent. Yeah, um, so I think we both know who we're thinking about. So we'll, we'll go on to maybe the front three first. Um, um, over the past few well, the past 24 hours, um, really heated up for this. Uh, I'm not even going to try and say, say his first name, but Saar from Watford, um, who, you know, destroyed us, really. I mean, thing is, we talk about all these players. Um, we even get on to Jamal Lewis from Norwich in a minute. And we say how, you know, that they might be a good flip, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't watched apart, I haven't watched Norwich and Watford. I've only watched them twice this season, both when they played Liverpool. Correct. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, I could chat shit and say, oh yeah, Sar's amazing, blah blah blah. Um, I know he's had a couple of good games, um, but to me, to me, if you've got Sar there, you know, you, you would have probably heard it from the rap as well. If you got Sar there, why not maybe try and spend a little bit of money and get Traore? 
but I'd even go one further and say, in the current climate where you're not wanting to spend lots of money, you've got Rian Brewster sat there. Yeah. You've got Harry Wilson sat there who are proving themselves, may, maybe not at this level, but they're proving themselves as goal scorers. And, and if you want to keep those players hungry, bringing in other people is not going to help that. For me, I think Harry Wilson blew a bit hot and cold listening to some podcasts with Bournemouth lads and some YouTube videos. Um, you see you see a lot of the free kicks Harry Wilson scored, you're like, wow, but then he actually doesn't apparently do much behind the scenes there. Um, so I think Harry Wilson is definitely um, one to go, but um, Bruce has definitely he's been scoring, I think it was 11 in 22 games um, for um, Swansea, sorry. I know there was big talk this time last year of, you know, do we need to bring someone from the front three? No, we don't, because we got Brewster. Um, I'd still like to bring Brewster in um, as a number nine. Again, I wouldn't like to see him. Basically like a Riga, you bring him on, he shove him out wide. He'll have maybe one in five, one in three, he'll have a really good game. But he's not a wide man, he's a number nine. So I'd like to see Brewster um, come in as competition for um, Firmino, with Minamino also doing that. But bringing a wide man in, um, just because our wide men aren't wide men; they're more centre forwards. They like to both like to cut inside. A natural wide man will provide some sort of um, a, a different dynamic we can use. Um, and a Traore or even a Saab, but I'd, for me, Traore is my pick. But obviously, it, it, he'd be a lot more money. Exactly, I, and look, also it would be hard to get anyone from Watford at the minute. Um, sorry, Wolves, as they are still in the uh, Europa League. Yeah, I so think they've still got business to do in the Europa League, so they're not looking to sell anybody. I see where you're going with Traore, but again, it's about spending money and where you spend money in the current climate and where you've got cover already, where you don't have to spend any money apart from maybe top up an existing deal. You know, and you know, Origi is still there; he is still available to do the business for us. You know, you could. Is Traore going to come on and be a bit part player for us uh, when he's playing every week currently? Uh, Origi will still play he'll still score some amazing goals for us uh, and bringing in say the likes of Brewster Brewster's a nine I think for uh, as an alternative is definitely there we've still got Shakiri, you know we've, yeah, we've still got other players that can do the job uh, Minim- as you say Minamino's there so I just wonder whether the front line doesn't really need to be strengthened apart from bringing the lone players back in we are going to do some sort of transfer show coming up so we go a bit more depth on this so we're trying to rattle through where this. we can argue even more exactly we can rattle this through as quickly as possible. Um, as we mentioned before Jamal Lewis maybe is covered for um, Andy Robert or left back it looks like that's heating up quite a lot um, I think it's now I think the offer's on the, by the sounds of it it looks like there's some sort of offer on the table it's whether Jamal Lewis is happy to go from playing 32 games in the Premier League um or not even in the Premier League, but just starting 32 games of football to maybe only get in max 10 if Robbo um, stays fit. Uh, yeah, uh, but bear in mind that you know, he's coming in from Watford unless somebody else buys him. Uh, Norwich. Sorry, not, <laughs> sorry from Norwich. Uh, but it's a case of he he's coming to a team where he's going to win something. Yeah, players want players want silverware. Some people are better playing against better players. You fall into the championship, um, and you get there's a lot of decent players in the championship. And you just get lost amongst the herd. It's their chance, and you know and you what? get kicked a lot more. And it's Klopp, a different game. And Klopp sits there and goes, "Look what we did with Robbo. 
Look what we did with Genie. Correct. You know, these lads are lads that got relegated and they come in. Um, yes, they didn't start straight away, but they got given an opportunity and they stayed there. That might not happen as much with you because obviously Robbo is the best left back in the world. But, you know, you might get 10 games, um, but you're still young. Yeah, and to be honest, there are times when Robbo needs a rest, you know, uh, and there is no cover. So, and and you, you add to that, you know, Joan Lewis, when we when we looked at those that early game against us at the start of the season last year, we both actually tagged him and said he did well. He was the he was the stand standout player against us, even though we beat them. So before you know, but it was a case of if they don't stay up, he will be a target. And that was game one of last year. Now it's really interesting that here we are talking yeah, about him, talking about him, and it's it's been taught you know that that yeah the the transfer rumours are there. That's one I think that may happen. Well, it's been talked about around £20 million pounds, um, with maybe an exchange for LaRucci as well. So they still have a player um, on the books as a left-back. Um, LaRucci um, was injured for a lot of the season, I think. But um, you never know. Again, it's, it depends how the club sees LaRucci developing as well. Um, but we just don't know. I mean, let's That's say... We're it, not and, what, and what does LaRucci... Yeah. You have to look at it again as as uh, a balance sheet and what Larucci sits at as an asset on, on the balance sheet. But Larucci maybe looked at this season, maybe doing a bit of a Nico Williams, a bit of a breakout season to a point, um, and obviously hasn't. Yeah, but again, they could send Larucci out on loan, uh, bring Jamal Lewis in and see how things go. Uh, it, and it's really then the only significant transfer that we're looking at that I'm aware of that you know, apart from any, you know, I don't I don't see any more happening we'll go we'll, we'll stray away from the pool we've got a bit more jotted down but we have got a specific transfer show lined up so we're going a bit like I said before we go into a bit more depth but um, a bit quickly on United, Sancho to United looks like that may happen it's a bit shit if it does because United are starting to build quite not a bad side although they've done that in the past where they've brought the likes of Schweinsteiger Di Maria Falcao Memphis Depay and you start to get a bit worried and then they will wank um, so, but they're starting to build somewhat of a decent side. Yeah, it's machine gun mentality, isn't it? Uh, that they just just right. Who can we buy that if we take them off other teams, it'll hurt them? And look, Sancho is an outstanding talent. He's going to become an absolute superstar. Well, bear in mind they've got Paul Pogba in there, and he's an outstanding talent, a superstar, but he's got an ego to match. We don't know Sanchez in the Premier League in the current era. Yeah, obviously he's gone overseas. Uh, I'd like to see how he develops further under a, a, a really, really top-notch manager. And I'm not saying that, uh, that that Ollie isn't a top-notch manager, but I think he's still finding his way in the Premier League. Uh, and I wonder whether he may not flourish at United as much as he potentially could do. So that's enough on transfers for now. A um, bit of other stuff. Obviously, the new kit is out. Um, Ours are on order. On order and on their way. Um, quite expensive, as we expected. Quite expensive? They weren't cheat worthy. Luckily, no. my birthday was, um, when was it? On last Saturday. So I was able to get it as part of my birthday present. But um, yeah, they weren't cheap. <coughs> they weren't, yeah, fucking yeah. expensive they, present. They weren't cheap and everyone's been complaining, but it's what you expect from Nike. And also what you expect when you are champions. You know, you, you think in the past few years where... You know, you buy a kit and you're like, wow, it wasn't that cheap. It wasn't that expensive a couple of years ago, but you probably weren't getting patches. You weren't getting the World Club 
um, the Club World Cup patch. You weren't getting, you know, gold Premier League champions on the back. So it all adds up. Yes, it does, son. I ordered it. Yeah, it does, and it it will. I'm sure you'll see photos when they arrive. Um, but strange thing that um, Klopp has signed a personal deal with Adidas, which will be interesting to see how that yeah, navigates. He's he's only the second manager in the Premier League that's got a personal. Who's the deal. first? Mourinho. Guess what? With Adidas. Adidas, yeah. And and at the time he was with Chelsea. Who were with Nike? So <laughs> well, at least I've done it before. Again, it's a bit confusing how it's going to work. Regarding wise, yeah. From what from what I hear, um. He is free to wear. He'll wear the normal club kits and everything else, but he's free to wear all the uh, all of the additional attire. Now, bear in mind, one of the se- the serious brands that Klopp has is the baseball cap, mm. and it's going to be an Adidas baseball cap going forwards. Well, um, it's like um, stuff with um, we'll go into the Nike advert as well. Um, lads are saying that it was weird how you know there was a, you haven't seen the Nike advert. It it, it talks about Liverpool a lot. And then as a city, and there was no Trent in it, and people were saying it's a bit weird that there was no Trent, and but it showed Curtis Jones in it as a local lad, but there may be people talking about Trent's um, affiliation with Under Armour. Yes. Um, so that's why maybe from a personal point of view, yeah. Trent couldn't have been in that. Um, so maybe things like that, but it was a decent advert, wasn't it? And it, I mean, that tell us never was a bit of a weird tagline. What was the one the other um, the other year, which was awful from Warrior? I can't oh, remember what it was, God. but it was fucking awful. Um, yeah, I mean, this means remember. more wasn't bad, but it's still a bit cringeworthy. But that Warrior one was awful. I'm going to try and find yeah, it. Yeah, I've got to be honest. This means more. I really enjoyed. I bought into that. I get it. It's a, it's subtly enough that you sort of like don't you have to think about it to get it. Uh, but tell us never. Uh, yeah, it, it's almost so it should, it should be don't tell us never kind of thing because we're contradicting whatever you're saying but tell us never but once once you get into the um the video it kind of explains it a little bit more doesn't it it does and the scouse girl walking around uh and they love the debate uh with the whole thing uh about who the boss is i love the debate about whether it's nice pop or a pop uh yeah, or a, yeah, a pop ice or, or whatever uh and whether it's nike or nike kind of thing uh it's weird because it's always been nike for me you know uh, sorry i'm trying no so it's always been nike i'm even contradicting myself now it's always been nike for me there you go oh yeah that, the, the warrior tag we came not to play yeah and it was like wait hang on a minute wait we, we'll, uh, again so we're not playing this week or double, double negative we came not to play it's like but like bonkers. i said once you get rid of the video once you watch the video kind of to understand a bit more you know tell us never like basically you know Never say never with us type of thing. So I understand it a bit more. Um, I get that, but but it, it's like... It's a weird tagline. It's, it's like, it should be, don't tell us never. But they get people talking yeah. about it, dickheads like us. You know yeah, I mean? you so, in particular, but there you go. Also, um, due to my old man being um, an alcoholic, um, we've also bought, as well as the um, Liverpool beer, that Champions beer that we bought, um, he's gone and bought a Liverpool gin. Yeah, just um, just a shout out uh, that here in Adelaide, if you uh, if you want to grab hold of the Liverpool gin that's actually bottled uh, out of uh, Halewood in Liverpool, and it's uh, it's hard to get hold of in Australia, that pals uh, up at uh, the airport, Parafield Airport, have some in stock, and I happen to pick the bottle up this week, and I'm going to enjoy it when I finally get to open it. So that's pretty good, and then I'll fill it up with water and put it on the shelf and pretend it's still full of gin. <laughs> uh, and let's uh, let's also give a shout out because uh, 
our favourite wine merchants will proclaim or are finally releasing their or putting on pre-release the champions uh, wine. So hopefully that goes on pre-release uh, later on this week. If you're if you're not on the mailing list with Claymore, make sure you are because, uh, like I say, the pre-release happens later this week. And finally, um, overnight, uh, Fulham got promoted to the Premier League, beating Brentford two-one um, in what's some called a horrible game to watch. Apparently, the first ninety minutes were quite painful. A horrible game to watch. Horrible game. This is me voicing it. Um, horrible game to watch um, with. Brentford, unfortunately, you know, basically been third for a long time, even in the chat for automatic promotion and fell off right at the end, beat Fulham twice this season, with Fulham not even scoring a goal, and um, got beat um, in the playoffs, but that's what happens. Um, so, it I is, mean, but what do you think? Oh, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, Fulham back in the Premier League are boring as shit. Fuck Fulham. Um, I know there are more old I mean, you look at If you actually look at the 20 Premier League clubs, it reminds me of when I was younger, and I looked at the Premier League, maybe if you... No offence to Brighton, but if you take Brighton out and throw maybe like a Portsmouth or a Birmingham City in, that's what I remember as the Premier League, you know, with Leeds being in there, Fulham, West Brom. Um, that's what I remember the Premier League as being. No Nottingham Forest in there. I'm too young, you're older. <laughs> too young, but yeah, and so I understand it from that point of view. Um, but I would have liked to see Brentford in. Yeah, so would I. I think uh, what Fulham, a... Fulham were up the other year. It's boring. I, I just like the way... Brentford had gone around the business and had deserved a crack and I hope they, they bounce back and do it again next year. On a really, really limited budget, they have built a stadium, they've built a team around the community, they've built their own academy uh, and they're slowly but surely becoming a real presence uh, and moving up the leagues and, and getting there. And I, I really, really look forward to seeing them in the Premier League in the next couple of years. All right, so moving into our season review, um, I reckon what we're going to do the, um, this season coming, what I actually want to do um, is um, we should actually do our predictions and we'll put it in a le- um, put them in a piece of paper. I'll take it upstairs, and then um, when we do the po- this podcast this time next year, we have to get it out and who believe who we think was going to be winner, top four, relegation, golden boot, all that garbage. Can always just do what I did yet today and look back at what we put in the podcast this time. What last we year. put in the podcast, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> going through it's easier. Um, but no, but, I like I like the idea of unveiling so, the envelope. Um, aim to get a hundred points. I'm guessing that was our what we think we would. That's what we talked about at the start. That we after doing ninety seven last last year, we're going to need a hundred to win the league. And we got close. We got very bloody close. Ninety nine. Um, we called. Um, Episode four, like we talked about Jamal Lewis and Norwich, we also talking might be um, Lovren's last season. Um, turns out that was true. Um, even though he probably played a bit more than we thought, a bigger role than we thought this season. I think, yeah, I, I'm really surprised looking back at just how much he he, he contributed kind of thing in, in the overall scheme of things for the year, particularly early on, particularly early on as well. I thought, uh, you know... Uh, him and Matip had a, had a good run, to be honest. Um, we call you. I called uh, Chelsea top four. Um, you, you didn't. No, I didn't. Um, I can't remember my argument, but I'm sure it was right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually said that that we needed to give Frank a little bit more time, uh, and I thought he'd fall outside the top six, but he'd do okay. Boy, has Frank wiped my eye. You know what, I'm happy for them to win top four or to get a top four but then lose 
the FA Cup because I've had a good season but it finishes on a down because he lost the FA Cup which I'm yeah uh, me too uh, especially after the way he played with, you know, and complained yeah, against exactly. us the other week but in real terms uh, that gives him the hunger to go bounce back next year uh, you know I think of the way we were in the Champions League final at the end of it and you, it was a bit sour and you dug deep and came back again I think Chelsea are strengthening well I think they're going to be a real con- not a contender but certainly a serious top four Fight next year. Um, top three, we all called. I think we both called Liverpool to win it because why would it be a Liverpool podcast if we weren't going to do that? Um, City to finish second, and then Spurs to finish third, and that was a fucking shite call. Yeah, where it? did that go? <laughs> to bring Mourinho in, and to be fair, Mourinho did very well um, after post COVID. Um, he actually got. Um, I think he only maybe lost two games or drew two games and won the rest. Um, he did quite well coming in um, afterwards, but they need to start. Win- they need to win a trophy. They have. To. Yeah, and I do think it, the, when the pressure's off, it's easy to win a few games here and there, and that kind of thing. And I think really that's what's happened with Mourinho. Uh, and unless unless Levy opens the checkbook, because uh, that's the way Mourinho operates, I don't see. I, in fact. Which isn't happening because they've still got a multi-million dollar stadium to pay off with no one going inside of it. Correct and. I fear that Harry Kane will walk. I don't. I don't know how long he's got left on any deal, etc. Let's come back to a, a a transfer show, but I don't think. Yeah, you know, I think they're about to lose some players. We'll get into first game of the season with the sixth of August. So basically, um, sorry, you missed one bit. Missed one bit. Oh, yeah, because you know, To be fair, you called uh, Leicester into the top six for United, which you were really close, uh, but you. Uh, Top four, top four, top, top four, four so. top six. That's the same point, but yeah, 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 yeah. You you called them, you called it, and uh, well, it came down to last game of the season, didn't it? United, you did, you day. did, but you failed. Sound. Um, <laughs> so all bought a was it? What's the date today? The fifth. So yeah, basically, um, all bought a a year to um, today that um, the community shield was on. Yes. Um, um, or maybe not. Maybe that's uh, that. That might make that says August, then six games. Not sorry, August yeah, six. no, sorry, so, yeah. August we played. It was actually six August. Games. It was actually August the fourth. We played City in the um, Charity Shield. Um, obviously at Wembley, one-one, lost five-four on pens, um, which we had didn't play that bad at all. Um, no. We actually look at the start of the season. Um, I think obviously they went one up. We equalised, and we. Sh- I mean, there was a goal line clearance off Kyle Walker, which was unreal, um, which we should have got took the lead there and I felt you know if it went to extra time like it normally you were used to do we would have went on to win it um, but at the end of the day it happens in penalties um, and it, it's kind of one you look at the Super Cup as well um, Chelsea will be looking at the same way going we actually played well if it went into extra time we might have gone on to win it but we didn't it went to pens and we lost it because it's a 50-50 shootout no, it's a charity shield it's one of those uh, I think yeah we said at the time it was a game of two halves City dominated the first half, we dominated the second half. And that's just the way things go. And it is it is just the charity shield. And we had to take it on the chin. It is, but it's a way, it's one that we looked at where um, we said it's massively symbolic for, you know, you get us your hand during the season. Um, How did that work out for City? That, well, that's what I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm going to go on to talk about. Um, we say it was a symbolic moment that we have to get um, one up on City already. Um, but if you actually look at it, maybe losing it was the best thing possible because, you know, there's then pictures of Klopp forcing Liverpool lads to 
you know, sometimes you'll go under the tunnel and not watch them lift, or you'll, you know, you'll just talk amongst yourselves and hover around. But you actually made Liverpool players stand there and watch them and basically go, this is the last time we stare at them lifting a the trophy this season. Yeah. Um, and that's a symbolic moment, not so much as beating them, but that was a symbolic moment, basically going, we do not let this happen by, the, um, by May, which when, happened to be July. I mean, I've said it to you uh, when I've been coaching and you've been in the teams. You know, when, when, you, when you have a serious... Sorry, can you just cough that up anymore? Yeah. Uh, when you lose, that feeling of a serious loss is really bad. And people have to bottle that up and try and put it in a pocket. And, and so, like, be, before the next big game, bring that out and, and, and know that they don't want to taste that feeling ever again. Uh, uh, and so I think Klopp's quite right. Psychologically, making them stand there and watch that was absolutely spot on. And then we started our Premier League um, defense. Defense, oh, except it wasn't defense in real terms. Road to glory, I don't know. Whatever you want to fucking attack. Uh, uh, yeah, a road to to ninety nine points. Take your pick. You want to keep going? Jesus, ah, I'll keep moaning. Um, Friday the ninth of August. Um, Norwich at home, two four one um, on a Friday night. Um, which you know the whole league, the whole um, country was watching us at that point. And again, we talk about symbolic moments, but we're going to mention it a lot this podcast. But everyone watching us, the future champions, looking at that, um, it was one hell of a start. It was. And say, my notes written down here from the game was the only thing, thing of note was uh, Joao Lewis was really good. Well, Pookie <laughs> was really good that night as well. He, he, he was lively. I think we remember saying, if they play like that for the rest of the season, they'll stay up. Um, and I think the problem was they tried to play like that all season and they didn't stay up and that was a problem they kept trying to play some sort of football and, and, and Pookie, couldn't. Pookie couldn't keep on scoring the way he was in the early part of the season yeah. and would die off uh, uh, and that's just the way things go when you're you know, a championship club fighting to, to, to sustain a huge push but they may bounce if they can hold that squad together they may bounce back and obviously, um, the major talking point in that one was um, Allison getting injured. Um, yeah. Was it a calf or an Achilles? I can't quite remember. But it's just, just one of those, wasn't it? He just sat down. <laughs> which is one of the most boring injuries where no one's around him and they just drop. Um, and that's, um, he's up for seven games. Um, and that brings in um, Adrian. Adrian. And we go to um, Super Cup, Adrian's first game. Um, and another penalty shootout win in Istanbul. I know. And it was like, all of a sudden, having had all of the fear of Adrian uh, stepping in, and all of a sudden you're going, "Where did this guy come from?" <laughs> yeah. well, from from sitting on the bench, from sitting on the bench um, to Norwich to win, you know, doing what he did in the Super Cup. He didn't even have a club. I think a week before the Super Cup game. No, it was um, amazing. Absolutely so to amazing. What he's done there, and and to be honest, if you follow that all the way through to. Picking up the Champions League winners medal, picking up the Premier uh, League winners pre- medal, the Premier League winners medal. It's like wow, what a season! The guys are fantastic. Well, you know, you look at the, you look, you think back to that performance, and it wasn't a very good Liverpool performance. But how many times have we seen Liverpool play well in games and not win it? Um, so it, that was one where finally starting to see an early sign of what was to carry on for the season, where Liverpool sometimes wouldn't get um, the performance right, would grind out a result. Um, and okay, it was on penalties, um, but we were able to ground out a result and get the Super Cup. And again, we talk about thirst for um, trophies, winning winning a, pre- a major trophy in May, then going and winning a major trophy in August after missing out, you know, 
there's a question mark on whether the Community Shield's a major trophy or not. It's not technically classified it's as well. It's not a major trophy. But to go August, um, May, then August to win, um, and then obviously have another chance in um, December. Because normally, you know, you win one in May, then you're not winning one at minimum till around February um, when the League Cup is, and that is classified as a major trophy. So to win one Champions League in May, um, Super Cup in August, and then knowing you've got a chance in the December to go win a major trophy and then obviously maybe if you go win the um, Super Cup or sorry the, the League Cup it's another one but it's it's that thirst for um, for, for silverware I mean it goes back to uh, you know off the back of Istanbul uh, of Kiev and everything else where Klopp had been Tagged as a a nearly a nearly manager, not not winning anything, and then we finally got the the Champions League, and now we start coming into all the finals, and we start. He starts having the belief. The team start having the belief that, you know, we are the mentality monsters, and that we we win finals, we win trophies, playing well or not. Correct. Always said it about United for years, and it really pissed us off through the Fergie years, Fergie time. Uh, that you know they could play really, really shite and scrab a goal in the ninety fourth minute and win a, and win a game, and they'll do that five times through the season. Let's give him a pile of points to get them over the line at the end of the season. So going into the Southampton game, it was kind of big because you look at um, City had dropped points, um, drawing nil nil with Spurs, and it's one of those where it may only be August the seventeenth. Um, and round two into the season, be already in, in that um, envi- start environment uh, where, you know, where is City going to drop points? If they drop points, we need to capitalise. Um, so, it, you know, going to Southampton, which was, you know, you think of the course, especially how they started the season, which was really poor. They end up going, get beaten 9-0 by Leicester at home. Um, but it's always a tough place to go, somewhat Southampton. But... Um, the uh, the fact that we went there and got the result again, not playing well, uh, not saying not playing well. We actually didn't do too bad, and we looked comfortable on the night or on the day, should I say? Um, but it was um, Adrian's mistake um, with like five minutes to go that put the shit up everybody. Put the shit up, yeah. Put 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 uh, squeaky bum time. Um, but I think you know again. Luckily, Danny- we came away. With a 2-1 win. I think Danny Ings probably should have scored right at the end, if I remember rightly. Um, but again, say you're not playing well, but you're scrapping a win out. Um, I think one thing from this club side this season, it's when we've had to go beat teams, we do. You know, the, you know, we'll talk about Arsenal, Netco, we have to beat them 3-1, um, City at home, Leicester away. When we've had to beat teams, but we do... When we have to beat the lower teams, we just do enough to beat them. We don't do ex- we don't exhaust energy. We just do enough to beat them. And then when we need to play well, we really play well and we sm- smash teams off the park. Yeah, I think it's also interesting to note at that point that, bear in mind, it's still very early on in the season. And you know, the Chelsea game was a midweek game kind of thing because, you know, because it was a Super Cup. And then we come back and then we play Southampton at the weekend. After that, we get a full seven-day break before then we play Arsenal. And we got a big game, and then a full seven-day break before we play Burnley. And I think having those full weeks in between where Klopp gets to coach the team properly ahead of the next game always makes a difference. 
when they're playing two games a week and they don't have time to coach properly in between or target the game, then it's a, it gets a lot harder. So, like I was just saying, you know, with with Southampton, we just did enough to win. But then when you play the big boys like Arsenal, I mean, you say big boys, not so much anymore, but you play Arsenal home and you go whiting off the park 3-1, which, you know, Arsenal hate coming to our place at the minute. But it was a completely dominant display. Yeah, and like I say... Salah running the show that night. Yeah, we've we've had a week to plan for it. We implement the plan. We walk away with a 3-1 win and it was just a job done night. What afternoon? Um... And then, say, just before the international break, um, again, notoriously tough place to go, Burnley. Um, 3-0 win. Um, and also, we, you know, we're four games into the season, first international break, top of the league, um, with a trophy in the bag. And that, yeah, we talked at the start of the season about the first blocks of games, and that was the first block that we talked about and said, it wouldn't it be nice if we went into the, uh, the international break and... Maybe won most of the games and maybe dropped a point or two. And we we went into that having won every single game. And you think, wow, that's a really good place to be, uh, setting us up for the season, as it turned out to be. We um, played the Newcastle, um, we played Newcastle alone, and we actually went 1 0 down in this game. I remember it was 1 0 finish from the left back. Um, I remember watching it here, and I remember it's one of those where. Once we went 1-0 back, 1-0 uh, down, I think Mane scored a ripper out of nowhere and got us back into the game. And, but it wasn't a chance for celebration. It was get the ball straight away. And then within five minutes ago on 1-1, it was 2-1. As soon as we went 2-1, it was possession then. I remember actually falling asleep towards the end of the game here. Um, Rach actually watched it with us. That was a fortunate first Is that game. that the game Rach watched yeah, with us? <laughs> the only game she watched yeah, exactly, with us. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So... Rach just got skilled from by the way. Remember sitting here and getting um, quite tired because again it was just possession. Um, we we were just going to win the game and the lads again we were three and one up at the time. We didn't have to exhaust ourselves. We've done enough to win and I think Newcastle were happy with the three one um, thing as well. And the big thing about this weekend was um, obviously we were already two points clear of City at this point, having them drop points at Spurs. They go to Norwich um, on the day after and get beat three two. Um, see this marker for the season exactly and also when you're starting to look at that and City dropping silly points already which would be you know a problematic for them over the season yeah and, and to be honest it's it just la- it just laid the scene for the season in, in real terms whereas last year City had to win every game go on the run into the season because we were winning every game on the run into the season end of story this time round, City started dropping points, and we immediately got hope that we we ha- we're now in the driver's seat. We look at the consistency wise. We beat Newcastle three one, um, and then we go to Chelsea the week after and win two one. Where City get beat by Norwich three two, but then the week after go beat Watford eight nil. We didn't beat anyone eight nil this year. No, but we beat teams every week. You don't have to beat teams eight nil. You just have to beat them. End of story. Yeah. Which was the interesting thing then when we come to Chelsea, we, um, it was having just having our first loss of the season in the Champions League um, yeah. away to Napoli. Painful. Um, which, again, you think back to the year before where we got beat by Napoli right in the dying minutes um, and we played poorly. Remember, Kaita kept coming off early. We played really poorly, um, obviously, in our, on, our, on the road to Madrid. Going to Napoli this year, we didn't play bad at all. Um, we got a very dodgy penalty given away against us. Going to try and get an equaliser left us to um, open at the Exposed. back of Lorente. Got the second. 
Um, but, but again, it's how this team fights back um, from, from that. And again, but, and, I th- but I think you've got to you've got to also. It didn't work out at the end of the at the end of the uh, the whole of the whole uh, Champions League trail, but the reality is, at that point, it did work out. You know, you're looking to get through the group at that point, and you know what you've got to do to get through the group. Now, away at Napoli, not winning, isn't the end of the world, provided you actually get your home wins and grab one away win out of the group generally and and you qualify and that's what it's about so wrap the other side of two serious games for Newcastle and Chelsea that are the the really important things to win for the for the league losing away at Napoli while it's not nice you take it on the chin and move on and the major important thing about that was that we were able to come to Chelsea and um you know, going to Chelsea, having obviously then beat us, as I beat them in the Super Cup, it was bouncing back, bouncing back and getting a result. Um, and going to Chelsea, um, we, we were two 0 up. Um, Trent free kick, which was unreal. Then you've got Firmino's um, header, which was two 0 up. Um, they get one back, and again, right at the end, Mount should score. But again, we cling on. We do just enough to get the result. Um, but you know, we're going to say that over the course of the podcast. Do just enough to just get the result, get a result. Um, and again, and it just keeps the winning streak going. And you know, Chelsea is a notorious tough place to go. No matter how good or bad the Chelsea side is, it is a tough place to go. Um, but again, it's all about momentum and keeping that momentum rolling. And Frank proved that you know where they ended up in the season that that they were a serious contender at that time. I'd have probably said, "No, nah, they're not, and we should be doing better. We should be putting them away." But but in real terms. Look at the way Chelsea end up at the end of the season. That is a hell of a result. Then the um, fringe players and the youngsters get a turn. Likes of, um, I think Brewster actually did play this game before yep. going out on loan. Um, likes of Harvey Elliott all get a game. And um, I think uh, Milner captain the side. MK Dons, this one. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. nice to get everyone on the board. Important and to get the win. Cup. Um, what's the Carabao Cup now? But it's the Garland Cup, isn't it? That's what yeah. we remember. That's the League Cup. That's what. Yeah, we for League Garland Cup in real terms. I'm, I'm trying to help people out with the uh, not being too old. Then we had the Sheffield, and and this was a massive um, at the time. Maybe not you'd look at it and go, that's not the best result. Well, you say not the best result, not the best performance. But Sheffield did such an amazing job this season, and in the end, they did fall off towards um, post COVID. Um, but you know what they were. They they were in the run for Europe for a long time, and they were really good at home. I think they they beat everyone at home apart from us and City. Um, I think they took like points of Arsenal, and they took they got they got a point against United, but United scored very late. Um, and so it was a really really tough game, um, and it only took a mistake by the United lone goalkeeper to um, give us a victory off Genie. Uh, but I think we took quite a lot of shots, and I think. To be fair, I think that goalkeeper made some really, Henson. really good saves. Well, yeah, we took a load of shots, but we didn't play well. No, we didn't play no, well. No, we didn't. But and but, they had their chances as but, well. Yeah, uh, but you say it was a a decent volley from Genie, but Henderson spilled it at, at his feet, and it just rolled over the line. Unfortunately, heading into October. Um, Salzburg at home, a um, bit important really because they had absolute. As we lost to um, Napoli, we thought, okay, easy. We'll beat Gang, we'll beat Salzburg, we'll be fine. Salzburg had absolutely romped um, 
Genk in their first game. So you start thinking, wow, this... Um, What's it called? It's not, it's not going to be a walkover. Exactly, yeah. This team isn't going to be that much of an easy game. Um, and it proved to be, um, by, well, first well, half an hour I was going to say, not the second half, the first half was fine. First half, half an hour it was, but um, bloody hell, we made hard work of it. Yeah, so, you know, 3-0 up in the first half an hour. They get one back before half time. But you still think... You still think this job's done? It, it's a. It, it's we a, played so well, yeah. Uh, but then all of a sudden they get a they get a rally, and you know the pressure is really really on. Minamino steps up, scores. Um, Harland, who goes to Dortmund and does unreal at Dortmund, um, you know, comes in and makes you know makes a difference. And all of a sudden it's three three, and. Yeah, I'm gonna say it again. We come in and we got the goal and just did it off. Salah just uh just just pulled it off at the end. And in again, real terms. It wouldn't put it past you if they made it four four, that would okay. We'd be like, Okay, we gotta go and get another one. Yeah. Yeah, this team does just enough to get over the line. This season, this this was the the real mentality monsters starting to kick in. Uh and and all along the line you're thinking, Yeah, could this be? Could this be the year we actually, uh, you know, turn turn stuff around? We're we're going beyond what we expect. I mean, we're into October. We're on, um, you know, we're unbeaten in the league, and we're we're turning teams over and doing enough in the Champions League. Where does this go? Leicester come to us at home, and you know Leicester doing well at this point. Um, now in a t- you know what some call the title content- contenders at this point, really. Um, and they come to us and Leicester played really well. And we, we talked in the podcast coming up saying it's all about, you know, if like last season was on fine margins and this year's all about um, turning over results where we dropped points last year. So you think of, you know, um, Leicester at home, um, Everton away, United um, at home in a way. Then uh, I think there was West Ham away. These are the points we need to start turning these points into wins. Um, and we did that with Leicester, and that was a first kind of instinct where, you know, you look at the previous season where we dropped points and we turned that into a win. I know, and this is where you turn around for Leicester now because they they missed out on Champions League so close, and they were they were in the driving seat to stoppage time kind of thing. And had they got a point out of this game and a couple of a couple of others, they'd have been in Champions League. It was so tight. Uh, but again, this team just manages to get results and uh, out of nothing in real terms. Again, we look like we were not cruising to the victory, but 1-0 up. Um, and then it just, I mean, I'll, we'll get onto it later in the next few podcasts, but even when we were losing 3-0 to fucking Watford, part of me was like, we're still going to get a point here at least. Yeah. You know, you, you just, you're just always in the back of your head, going, we're going to still win, we're going to still win. Um, or we're going to get a point, we're going to score. And Leicester um, equalised, you know, I think it was only about 10 minutes on the clock when Leicester equalised. But you still feel like we're, we're going to get one more chance and we only need one chance. It's crazy, but you turn around and think, well, we turned Barcelona over, over two legs, you know, last year. We can turn anybody over, uh, you know, in half an hour, in real terms, if we really have to. If, you know, and the challenge is there, the boys will step up and do the business. And here they did, no question. Well, you look at um, 
you know, what was it a penalty, what is it not? It was a bit contentious, wasn't it? Doesn't matter. We're going to say it was. Referee said it was. James Milner, coolest man in the stadium, slots it away, and we keep our 100% record in the league. Yeah, in stoppage time. Yeah, it's like, yeah, put teams to bed. Again, everyone's watching us, and, you know, City's starting to look at us and go, is this where they maybe drop points, to drop two points, and we can start creeping on them, putting some pressure on them. But then they they see us get that goal, and not only is it... um, you know, it keeps us in a good mood. It's demoralising. It's psychologically well. a killer. Uh, you know, and it goes back to the previous year. We knew that if we won every game and City won every game on the run-in, City would win, but we were absolutely adamant that City would drop a point. And every time City won, you started thinking, will they? And here, here you know, this is the start of City's view of that because they've already dropped points. That unless Liverpool drop points... They're going to win this title, uh, and it gets demoralising without question. And I think it hurts City, and which is why they drop further points in the season. Then we move to losing our first point of the season um, from a league campaign t- um, point of view, um, away to Old Trafford, away to United, Old Trafford. Scum, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, <coughs> what the real worry is, we were so close to losing that game. Uh, and it was, it felt like you know we recovered a point. We, yeah, we we recovered two points. For you know, it it was. I've seen some podcasts where they were talking about um, you know they they wanted to go humiliate United. Um, they they were annoyed that we didn't go and like say humiliate United. Um, but you know, from my age group point of view, a point away at Old Trafford is no mean feat. Um, so I'll always take a point at Old Trafford. Yeah, uh, go back to my day, we used to smash at Old Trafford, but that's another story, that's, that's a, another lifetime ago. Uh, but the reality is that maybe we were a bit cocky at that point. I just can't get out of my head where a point at Old Trafford is not a bad result, personally. Because again, it's a game of small margins. Uh, Mane scores a goal, which last season would be a goal. Or sorry, a couple of seasons ago would be a goal because the VAR wouldn't rule it out because it, it turns out it... Um, he didn't really control it with his arm, but it hit his arm in the lead up to the goal. Therefore, it's ruled out, rightly so, with VAR. But two seasons ago, that wouldn't count, and we Correct. scored. Um, being realistic, maybe should we have had a foul? It would have been soft, but more, more than nine times out of ten, they get given on Origi in the lead up to their goal. So small margins, although we didn't play that well. Um, yeah, but yeah, Rash puts them ahead. Yeah, you know, and it takes until the last five minutes in the game before we get an equaliser. And when you see a man getting changed to change um, to you know make an impact on the game, you see Adam Lallana. No offense to him, he's not a guy you'd expect to come on and really ignite you to uh, change a game. Um, but he's in the right place at the right time when we need him. It also, it also highlights the reason he got such a big send off as he left at the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I think he he's he's played it. his he's played his part. Correct. Yeah, you know, yeah. Without that. Without that goal, would we have won the championship this year? Because knock-on effects of losing points then has knock-on effects further down the season. And that was a significant moment in the season. Uh, and Adam uh, has definitely played his role and deserved every plaudit that he got. We then go to Geng, which again, which we expected to win, didn't we? Um, bat- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> bat to them 4-1, Chamberlain getting two, two screamers, if I remember rightly. Um Again, 
a game that we needed to win, but it was a game that was in the middle of two really tough games between United and Spurs. Yeah, the only thing that really stands out for me from that game is the two players that that actually went to a completely different town in in Belgium instead of Genk kind of thing because it had the same similar sounding name. I know you're talking about, yeah. (laughs) So then we head to... um, Spurs come to us on the Sunday, 27th of October. Um, Again, a game that, you know, the so-called big six at home... You need to win these games because um, you look at every time these lads go to City, you look at them going, maybe they might be able to drop some points. Um, but again, a 2-1 win, just what we needed, really. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a case of putting Spurs in the place in real terms. Uh, yeah. But again, people, are, especially because we were all undefeated at this point, obviously just dropped points to United. Again, it's about... Um, bouncing back Yeah Pressure's people, on And people are going to start um, Putting their measure up Against us going Okay So these are You know People are already talking about Us being winning the league At this point Champions elect Okay so let's see Where we are With the so called Champions elect Let's see where we stand Compared to The lads that are fighting For the title Absolutely well, When we looked at this Block of games uh, Pre-season You know Having played Leicester We had Man United The Champions League game Spurs and Arsenal and you, you sit and look at that and you think, oh God, you know, how many points are we going to take in the league from those three games? Uh, and yeah, Man United, we drew against Man United, but, but actually getting a result against Spurs is a massive step beyond that. So beating Spurs, thankfully, um, after falling from behind, um, it was a nice little goal from Jordan Henderson, actually. He um, shows his leadership really starting to come through at this point. Um He's always been a man that would talk a lot, um, but this shows him where he, you know, he starts maybe leading by example, and he gets equalising. You can sell by celebration. It's straight. Let's get the ball, um, and let, let, let's go get a winner. Yeah, uh-huh. I think the whole thing about that that the fi- the finale of that game was was we we're, we're here to to get this hundred points. You know what I mean? That, you know. We, Move to the Carabao Cup again next round, and it's one of those where you know City always talk about how they go and win the treble and all that type of shit. But you know they they play some shit sides on the way to the treble, and obviously it was getting drawn against Arsenal at home. Klopp was always going to put out the youngsters where we knew Emery was in charge at this point. Arsenal were always going to struggle to make um, top four. So they, if they got top four and a trophy, they would have made a good season. So they would have looked at the League Cup and went, "That's a good chance to." Um, really push on and win a trophy, get some feel good factor within the club and amongst the fans. Um, seeing us at hot, seeing away to Liverpool would have been tough, but they knew we'd be playing our kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> but this was a bonkers game. <laughs> this was absolutely, yeah. You know, this is a cup game against two top six sides, and regardless of the cup competition. You know, we look at these games go one goal in it. Either way, one team wins. Yeah, whoever thought this would end up at this kind of result? It's like, really? Exactly. Well, five five. The final result was. Um, I think we both played young sides. Um, we played more. You would say more of a youngster side than they did. Um, but there were some amazing goals in this game as well. Um, you think about some of the goals we scored. I think one of their lads. Um, 
Reese Nelson, I can't remember. One of their lads scored an absolute ripper to go 5-4 up after we equalised. And then um, Nico Williams, I was, first off, get, I was getting our first look at Nico Williams, puts a great ball in. Um, the Riga basically doing a sideways scissor um, to get us 5-5. Five, five, and Klopp's just laughing on the side going, because we, we'd already looked at this was, um, at this, and if you set, basically going, if we win here, we're going to be playing two games within 24 hours. Yeah, um, we don't in, really want to win it. In December, Klopp's looking at going, really, boys, we could do without a winner. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we just keep coming back, I think we were 2-0 down, and then 3-1 down, 5-4 down. And the last kick of the game, Arig- Nico Williams finds Origi, it's a scissor, and Klopp just turns around and laughs. Because if you don't laugh, you'll cry, <laughs> type of thing, because he, he just made his life a whole lot More harder, challenging. More challenging, harder. Um, with what was going to happen with the League Cup next round. But as a manager, they're the kind of problems you want. It's usually one, exactly. And again, it's a nice thing that shows that this squad isn't just, or that this mentality isn't just amongst the first team, you know, the first 17 that are on the bench and starting 11. It's right the way through the club. Yeah, this whole squad is building this mentality of, of we're going to win. No matter what happens, we are going to win. Um, <laughs> You know, and and pushing it all the way to the end, and uh, you know, yeah, Kelleher comes in uh, in the penalty shoot. So makes a few great saves, and Curtis Jones, who has his first moment at Anfield, scoring at cop end, winning a winning a penalty shootout, um, steps up to decides it, um, and I think he has a few more decent nights at Anfield for the rest. Um, I'm pretty sure which we'll get to later on in the next few podcasts. I think so, and I think he's got a few more to come. To be honest. All right, so that's the end of October, and that is the end of our first um, round one of part one of our season review. We're back next week with, um, two, um, with part two. I think, what's that? Um, November through to, I don't know, January, yeah. February, March, whatever. We'll see where we end up. Uh, next next three months, I think we're going to do, obviously with a bit more news. Um, hopefully, maybe we might have made a signing by then. That's it. Wait we'll wait and see. And we might have a few couple of, uh, a couple of uh, co-contributors on, on the show that night. Right, then we'll see you next week. Up the Reds. See you now.